Welcome to the weekly sermon at Gateway. My name is Jason McNabb. The amazing story of the prophet Jonah has much to teach us, not only about the wayward heart of Jonah, but about us and our weakness. And it teaches us about the very heart of God. You can find more information about this series at gatewaycrc.org. And now here's this week's message. I wonder if you've ever been subjected to questioning You know, just a casual question. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is your Savior and Lord and that the confessions of this church are fully accepted? Three people just said yes. On a day like this, what would you do outside? I don't know. Depends on what your interests are. Maybe you'll slide down a hill on a tube. There are general questions. You know, how are you? What are you doing? And then there are probing questions. Imagine a job interview for a moment. You come in, resume in hand, and you are subjected to questions by, for example, an education committee of a Christian school. And they come to you and say, now, how would you handle a discipline situation? I remember being on an education committee and listening to a teacher saying, well, I'm glad you asked me that question. I would start with, and then she articulated four things that she would do. And we hired her. And over the years, she practiced those four things and became a cherished and highly respected teacher because she had a plan, she stuck to it, and carried it out. Those are probing types of questions, questions that want to get beneath the surface and want to develop an understanding, want to develop a sense of who is the person sitting across from us. We are on a journey and have been on a journey with Jonah. And if you have read Jonah before, or and I invite you to sit down, it's only two pages, it takes you less than 20 minutes to read the whole book. I invite you to sit down and read that story and try to identify with this man. This man who was a prophet, experienced prophet at the time of Jeroboam II, about the 8th century before the coming of Jesus. And Jeremiah had encouraged Jeroboam II to in his kingship. And now Jer- Jonah receives another summons from God. I want you to go to the city of Nineveh, a great city, the capital of a rising empire called Assyria, and I want you to preach to that great city because its wickedness has come up before me. And Jonah said, no, I ain't going. And so he runs. And then God sends a storm. And the sailors finally pitch Jonah overboard, and then God sends salvation in the form of a great fish. And he spends three days praying in distress and comes to make a profession of faith. Salvation is from the Lord. And then in an expulsion of protein, 
He ends up on the shore of the Mediterranean, and then over a period of, we estimate, about 30 days or so, he walks to the city of Nineveh because he gets a second chance. And in that second chance, he is told to preach a five-word sermon in Hebrew. Yet 40 days and Nineveh will be destroyed. There's no gospel. There's no good news. There's only a, a, a measure of doom. Yet 40 days and Nineveh will be destroyed. And the Ninevites believed. They took God seriously. Just like Alan and Miriam and Tyler. Taking God seriously. And they repent. And in that repentance, Jonah has an emotional response. He is angry. And it's almost impossible to underestimate his anger. It, it, it seems as it's evil to him what is happening. And so with that background, let's read Jonah chapter 4, and I want you to particularly look and listen to the probing questions that God asks Jonah. And think about how you respond yourself to those probing questions. So from Jonah chapter 4, uh, but I'll start with Jonah chapter 3 verse 10 because that sort of sets the context. When God saw what they, that is the Ninevites, did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. But, Jonah, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I know, knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. How, Lord, now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. Question number one. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at, the, at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy with the plant. About, but about dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind. And the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. Question number two. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I am so angry, I wish I were dead. 
But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow, and it sprang up overnight and died overnight. Question three. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? This is the word of the Lord. Jonah is very angry. Have you ever been angry? Probing question. And the answer is yes. I think all of us have been angry at times. Just this past week, we acknowledged the birth date of my second son. I happened to be in the room when he was born. I wasn't allowed for son number one or son number three because those were cesarean sections. But son number two came vaginally. And I remember Dr. Usby holding him up and going like this <coughs> on his little naked butt. And Mark went, ah! He was angry. And we all smiled. We all said, aw. He lives. He lives. He's now 44. The, the reality of anger is fine because anger says there are justifiable limits. You cannot cross that line. My just brand new born son said, ouch, that hurts. Don't do that again. Don't cross that line. And it's always good in our emotional response to set limits. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, in your anger, do not sin. So you can be angry at someone, but you can't take a baseball bat to their head. That is abuse. That is violence. You can be angry at someone, but you cannot denigrate them because they're of a different race or of a different color or of a different language. There are lines we cannot cross. Jesus was angry. We sing, the little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. But he was angry. He comes into the temple, into his father's house, and he makes a, a, a cord of, uh, into a whip, and he cleans it because he says, my father's house is to be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. It's all right to be angry. But in your anger, be redemptive, be Christ-like, be in control. And Jonah seems out of control. Jonah is very angry at the relenting of God to the judgment, the impending judgment that going, was going to come on Nineveh because Jonah reveals himself to be a nationalist. He is looking to the interest of Israel for the sake of Israel. And he is forgetting why God established Israel. If you read in the book of Exodus the story of God's redemptive action when he draws people out of Egypt 
and brings them to the Sea of Reeds or the Red Sea and brings them to the Promised Land on the journey, taking them to Horeb where some of you were just recently. On that journey, he said to them, you are to be for me a nation of priests. You are to be for me the people who intercede, the people who stand alongside and care. And so, Miriam, just thank you for your vulnerability and for allowing us to see a visible thread of God's invisible presence. That took guts and courage. So thank you. To be an invisible presence in this world, to be a nation of priests, that was the calling of Israel. It wasn't to be a nation centered on itself and on its own power and on its own influence and on its own significance. It was to be a nation of priests, people blessed to be a blessing, even to the enemies that surrounded them. Because those enemies image God. But Jonah's angry. And why? Notice that he attacks God for his character. You are gracious. You are gracious. You give people what they have no right to, what they do not deserve. You give people to what they have no claim to, and you just lavish it upon them. I don't like your graciousness, God, because letting those Ninevites off the hook he has withdrawn to the east. He's sitting presumably on a hill. He's going to watch what happens. The 40 days, it appears, haven't yet come to their ultimate end. And he's hoping that God will relent on his relenting. He's hoping that God will yet bomb the Ninevites into oblivion. He says, I told you. I told you when I left to run to Tarshish that this was going to happen. Why? Because it's because you are gracious. And moreover, it's because you are compassionate. I love that word, compassion. It's a compound word. It means to come into the suffering of others. We talk about the passion of Jesus. Passion Week, the suffering of Jesus on the way to the cross. When God is compassionate, he enters into and is alongside the reality of our journey. He sits with Tyler in the stands and prays so that he doesn't have to be influenced by what he hears and has heard in the locker room and makes a difference. He enters into our struggle. He enters into the reality of our pain and of our suffering. You are gracious. You are compassionate. You are slow to anger. Notice, he doesn't say you avoid anger, but you are slow to anger. In other words, you 
control yourself. You have set limits. You don't just simply beat people over the head because they are there to be beaten. You strive to understand. And you are abounding in love. Hmm. Alana loved sports and then all of a sudden got hurt. Couldn't do it anymore, at least for that period of time. And needed to think about something else. Injuries can redirect our thinking. You are abounding in love. You give up that which has value to you so that you enrich the life of another. God will send Jesus abounding in love to be the atoning sacrifice for our sin and for the sin of the world. You are abounding in love and you relent. You relent from sending calamity, from sending trouble. You just simply say, you know what? going to back off. Yet 40 days and Nineveh will be destroyed. No, I'm not going to destroy it. Jonah attacks God in his anger for the very character that God has. Gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love, relenting from the calamity he had in mind. And then God comes to Jonah and asks, is it right for you to be angry? Hmm. Notice Jonah doesn't answer the question. But, but think to yourself for a moment. You, you no doubt at some point in your life have been angry. Police officer pulls you over. Huh. Didn't he see all the other people speeding? The other people turning I illegally? Why pick on me? You ever been angry? Is it right for you to be angry? Because I am gracious. I am compassionate. I am slow to anger. I am abounding in love. I am willing to relent from calamity. Uh, Jonah wants to smack those Ninevites because they are the enemy. About three, four years ago, I sat in our own, my own congregation in Chilliwack and our pastor, Mike Coot, preached a series on Jonah and he asked this question, which I found profoundly interesting. Are there those who you would rather see judged than forgiven? Let me repeat that. Are there those people that you would rather see judged than forgiven? In the news just recently, a whole story about Paul Bernardo, 
who in Ontario killed several young girls and victimized them, including his sister-in-law. And he was released from maximum security into a minimum security in accordance with Canadian law. But the furor that arose, because, frankly, there are those we would rather see judged than forgiven. I work on a board with a man who was a retired RCMP officer, and he was brought from Ontario to live in British Columbia to help in the uh, investigation of Robert Picton. You remember that name? Are there those you would rather see judged than forgiven? Can I just drop a name of Adolf Hitler? Or of Joseph Stalin? Or if you need contemporary thing, Vladimir Putin? Are there those you would rather see judged than forgiven? When I heard Pastor Mike ask that question, and when I came home, I opened up my notes on Jonah, and I wrote it in the margin of my notes. And now it's in my sermon. God makes you think. He makes you ponder. Is it right for you to be angry? There is no answer on the part of Jonah. But there are actions on his part. He goes east of the city, presumably on a hill, and he's looking down and he's wondering what was going to happen to the city. Maybe there are four or five days left before the 40 days are up. And he's hoping that God will relent from his relenting and that he'll obliterate that city. Some of you will have children coming back from children's church later today, and they're, they're going to have heard the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, cities that were obliterated. And maybe you should ask them about God's judgment and God's anger and about the reality of sin and how they deal with sin in their own lives. Jonah doesn't say anything and respond to God's first question, but he does do something he builds shelter for himself. He settles in. How he builds that shelter, we don't know, but he has a need. He has a need for some shade in the context of heat. And then God, being gracious and compassionate, has overnight caused a plant to be grown. So he's got this little shade shelter, presumably a few sticks or poles and, and a cloak or a blanket put over top. And now all of a sudden there's this plant providing an extra level of shade. And notice Jonah's emotional reaction. He is very happy. Oh, wow, I'm finally getting what I deserve. Over now is, is this journey into struggle, into despair. I, I finally got some shade. I finally got some coolness. This is very, very, very good. And God sends a worm. Chomp, chomp. And the root is destroyed, 
and the plant dies, and Jonah is angry. And God asks a second probing question. Is it right for you to be angry about the death of this plant? Oh, yes it is, says Jonah. I am so angry, I would rather die. I quit. I don't want anything more to do with you or to this journey because you are way too compassionate. You are way too abounding in your love. You are way too slow, too slow in your anger. You are way too gracious. You should not have relented of a calamity. You should not have let this plant die. I quit. Have you ever been that angry? That angry that you say, I, I want nothing more to do with this. I, I think all of us have to come face to face with a depth of anger. Remembering what Paul would later say and what he says now to us. In your anger, do not sin. Be self-controlled. Be gracious and compassionate. Be abounding in love. Be relenting from sending calamity. And then the third question comes. You are concerned, God says in a preamble, with the death of this plant. Why? Well, why would, because it has removed his comfort. It has removed his coolness. And then God says, should I not be concerned with this great city of Nineveh in which there are 120 who do not know their left hand from their right hand? In other words, kids. Watch what's happening in Ukraine. And when military places are bombed, that's one thing. But when hospitals and orphanages are bombed, then everybody is outraged, and justifiably so, because those are kids. They don't know their left hand yet from their right hand. And some of us adults still have to remember what's right. Oh, yeah, that's the hand I write with. We, we, we failed to compute. There are 120,000 kids here, Jonah. And, and there are many animals, cattle besides. There's lots of living things. Let all things now living. A song of thanksgiving to God the creator triumphantly raised who fashioned and made us protected and stayed us who guides us and leads to the end of our days let all things now living praise God notice that Jonah makes no response and we wonder why 
Why, why is the book written? Some scholars speculate that while it's written by Jonah to reflect that Jonah in the end gets it. That he should not look simply to Israel as Israel, but he should look to Israel as the nation of priests that they are intended to be, even to the Assyrians, their enemy, who they rather would see judged than forgiven. And that may very well be. But I think that there is a more pastoral intent. And the pastoral intent is not to focus on Jonah. The pastoral intent is to focus on me and to focus on you, to focus on us. And how we interact with the expression of the character of God. His grace, his compassion, his being slow to anger, his being abounding in love, his willingness to relent from sending calamity. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and that, and that on Jesus, the Lord has laid the iniquity of us all. And when he looks to us and he sees that we are in Christ and Christ is in us, he relents from the calamity that justifiably could be poured down on our heads. And so it is us who need to answer the probing questions of God. I don't think these questions. Is it right for you to be angry? Is it right for you to be angry about the destruction and the death of this plant? Should I not have had concern for this great city of Nineveh? But I want to leave you two questions to ponder. Two probing questions to discuss, perhaps with family or friends, or perhaps in this prayer journal that is written. First one, if you were, and I pray it doesn't happen, but, you know, Janice died yesterday. Janice was one of those people I called during COVID time, every Thursday morning. She was a person who could talk your ear off. Those of you who know her knew that, but you also knew she was deep in faith. She died. She has stood before God. Now imagine that it's you. If you were to die tonight, and God were to say to you, or ask you, why should I let you into my heaven? what would you say? I'll repeat that. If you were to die tonight and God, and you come to stand before God and God were to say to you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? That's question one. I'm not going to answer it. It's up to you to answer Question two, based on your answer, 
would you be absolutely sure he would let you in? You've been listening to the latest message in our summer series in the book of Jonah, where we're learning about the heart of mankind and the heart of God. You can find more information about this series and our church's ministry at gatewaycrc.org. I'm Jason McNabb. Please join us next time on the weekly sermon at Gateway.